0: to check, check. Am I on? Good morning. How's everybody doing? I'm glad you guys come. I'm glad there's people in the room, because it's not real. It's not real when there's not. Um, this is going to be yours in a minute. I'm going to move it over here. Um, we're doing everything everything different today. I just was like, the last two weeks have just been like, I want some change. Uh, I, I want to see. I want to see how we. Uh, can adjust to really be as present as we can. Is my, mic, is my microphone on? Yeah. All right, good. And, I, you know, like when, when you're doing this online thing, it's it's weird because everyone kind of comes in because the things are going to turn on at 1030. And by the way, out there, hi, everyone. Um, the things are going to come on at 1030. And so then we're like, okay, they're watching. That makes it feel like a show, right? Like it, that's what it makes it feel like. And I don't like it. And so I'm like rebelling against it, Okay. So I, I want it to feel more like this. This is what I want it to feel like. And so what we're going to do is this. Um, I have a quick announcement, and then he's got some announcements. Um, and then I have 12 more people with more announcements. I don't. I'm, I'm going to get back up. And i got some stuff to talk about. And we're going to talk about that. And then uh, we're going to respond with a uh, sort of a worship set that Michael's put together that sort of takes you on a journey. And I'm excited about it. Um, is everybody good? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, okay. So first off... I'm excited. Right, so I want to I start off, first off, I want to talk about last week, about what happened, because what had happened was, <laughs> we were going to have church, and this has happened before, and then Friday, somebody calls and says, oh, guess who just tested positive for COVID, and then you realize, oh, we were all together the other day, this is fun, um, and other people are like, yeah, and I have a fever, okay, so let's all go get tested, so we canceled everything and sent off to get tested, well, there was only one positive, everything else was good, so... So we're all right. Um, second thing I have, I have uber sad news uh, to share with you. And if you got your email this morning from the church, then you already read it. Um, and uh, basically, I, I'm letting you know that, like, like, Sam is resigning. Sam's moving on. There's nothing wrong. You guys know Sam, Sam Lee, our director, of, our director of, uh, of house churches and discipleship and stuff like that. And he also manages the staff. He does all kinds of stuff. Um, I've known for many years he's... he's He's, always reminded, he's like, I mean, we're not going to be here forever. At some point, we're going to go. It's as if he's telling me. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, sure. And then, like, they're, they're moving on to the next thing, whatever God has for them. They came, they came to us from YOM missions. Um, and I want to be clear, like, nothing is wrong. There's no bad blood. I, I would love for him to stay on forever. It makes my job a million times easier. Um, and I'm super thankful for his work. He has served as an elder now for nine years. This is his ninth year as an elder. Um, and so he's seen the journey from the tiny little theater over there, the Silver Springs Theater, to here, to buying this building in 2011. Like, he's been here for all of it, because he had been here as a family 11 or 12 years, I think. Um, and so there's a card in the lobby. I can see it from here. It's um, a few pieces of paper, because I figured there'd be more space as well if we need it. Um, <clears throat> but there's a card in the lobby that, we are gonna, that we're going to fill out and send to Sam. Don't worry, I'm sure Sam's not watching right now, um, and we can just, if you have a word for Sam, fill that out, like write on it, and we're going to put them together and send him out to him uh, with a gift from us as well, and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm just really thankful for the, the tireless service that Sam and his entire family, Kezia and his two sons, that they've all put into this church, great friends, um, and he finished well, and I'm really excited about that. So, uh, if, if you have some words for Sam, uh, fill it out. Um, and he, they'll be popping in here and there, they said. They'll be, they'll be hanging out and coming back to visit. So, we'll see him around. Uh, right now, I'm going to pass it off to uh, my boy Joseph here. Um, you can use this one, you can bring it over for some announcements.
1: Morning, everyone. My name is Joseph. I'm one of the congregational reps here at Watermark. And if you're wondering what that is, uh, we represent you to the staff and the employees of the church. So if you have questions about how things work, come ask. uh, Come find a bonus. Ask the question. If you have grievances about the way we're handling a certain thing like COVID, uh, please graciously come bring us our attention. If you have questions about how we adjust for time dilation when broadcasting to satellite internet users, But we're really glad you're here, uh, and welcome to the new guests who are either looking online or here in person. Um, For those of you who have needs, please, please, please reach out to us. We love you, and we want to be part of your life. You can either email us at help at watermarktampa.com, or there's a portion of our website, watermarktampa.com slash relief, where you can request assistance. It's also a good place to donate or uh, find ways to get involved. Giving can be done online at watermarktampa.com slash give, or there's offering boxes located in the lobby. Our website is constantly updated for new information. That also includes content for uh, We Watermark. There's also the sermon study guide and sermon visuals on that as well. You can follow us on Facebook at Watermark Tampa Church and on Instagram at Watermark Tampa. Uh, Announcements for today. We are collectively reading A Church Called Tove. Up and Coming is a question and answer session with the authors Scott and Laura. That's uh, May 4th, Star Wars Day, at 7 (laughs) p.m. Uh, This is a really great book about church culture, and as we start to investigate what we want church to be after the apocalypse, the first thing is, um, how do we influence the culture of the church? And this is a really great first step, I think, to whatever life and God has for us next after COVID. Um, For those of you who are joining us, and I think that's a lot of you, Uh, as a Watermark Collective. There's a Watermark 101 membership class. If you're interested in learning about what it means to be a member at Watermark, you can join us Sunday, May 16th at 6.30 p.m. Childcare is provided, and you can RSVP at watermarktampa.com slash events. Also, I'm really excited to announce a summertime community night on June 25th. Uh, In lieu of a VBS this summer, we're gonna have a one night of family-friendly fun in our backyard. Everyone is welcome. There will be water slides and slime so, come check us out, have a great time, and enjoy the service. Thank
0: you, I got to stay away from you. All right, just joking. No, we're good. All right. I'm vaccinated. I think you are, too. This is all I can talk about now. Vaccinations. Are you vaccinated? Are you? Which one are you? Are you going to date the other ones or not? You know what I mean? Um, is this? Am I? Okay. So, yeah, oh, also, I wanted to let you know, We, for those of you watching online who can't drive here and sign a piece of paper, um, Sam's email address is still active, like sam at watermarktampa.com, sam at watermarktampa.com. So if you want to troll him, you can, but if you'd rather encourage him, they'd be better. Um, so feel free to, like, reach out to him and thank him for his work. And uh, awesome. Okay. And beg him to come back, right? Just joking. Um, so I want to talk to you about last week. Last week, I was attempting to write a sermon, and it was not going well, like at all. I've been, I've been, I've been here since two thousand and three. There's people in the church who weren't even born yet when I started here. Um, And so last week, I'm writing this sermon, and I'm studying the text. And the way I do it is, we go straight through a text, and I read all these commentaries, and I read as much literature as I can on a text, and I. Um, I read some of the writings of the church fathers to see what they thought. I like to skip, like, all the way back 1700 years, because those are the people that, like, the first generation of Christians, I want to know what they were up to and what they thought about stuff. And I just, like, nothing's happening. The way it usually works is I do all this reading, and I wait, and I, and I have meetings, like, I, I do all the reading right up front, Tuesday or so. Um, and then I wait, and I meet with people, and I do... Other things and do work throughout the week and, and meet with the staff and help do all kinds of projects we're working on. And the sermon, like the idea comes of what I'm talking about. Hey, come on in, don't be confused, everyone. We started I reversed everything just to mess with everyone. <laughs> just really, no other reason than just let's see what happens. <laughs> Try this. Um, and so nothing was happening. Um, Friday, about 1:30. That's when I'm wrapping it up I'm putting the finishing touches on. I know where we're going. I know what we're talking about. I know what we're doing. Friday at 1.30, I'm sitting at my desk with a blank screen, and I've got nothing. And I've, and I've read the passage over and over and over. I want to read it with you in a second. Um, I read it over and over and over. And finally, I had this idea, this, like, spark of an idea. And I was like, oh, yes. And I started writing. And I'm like, don't interrupt me. And I'm writing, right? And my son, my 6-year-old son, walks in and looks at me. And I was like, oh, don't, hey, buddy, can like, come back in a minute. And he throws up all over the floor <laughs> next to my desk. And he looks at me and goes, I threw up. I'm like, yeah. Yeah, you did. How do you feel? He's like, I feel okay now. You know what I mean? Like, he's fine. And then I, we clean it all up, lay him down with a bowl. <laughs> and then I sat down to write again, and there was nothing. It was gone again. And then I got a call from a friend. And I was like... Might as well, right? So I answered the phone. I'm like, what's up? Um, and it's a friend. He's preached here before, and I talked to him, and, and he's moved away. He's in, he's in Ohio now. Um, and he was like, what's going on? I was like, dude, I haven't tried to write a sermon. There is nothing. This is not ha- Like, there is nothing. And he goes, well, that's your sermon. I'm like, what? He's like, the fact that there's nothing. That you tried so hard, and there's, like, nothing. That's your sermon. I was like, that's a really dumb idea for a sermon. He's like, that's your sermon. And I... And then COVID happened that night. COVID just happened last week. So that, like, and the whole thing, like, I had nothing anyways. I didn't have anything anyways. Um, and it was all for a reason. And I, I spent the rest of the week trying to figure out what the reason was. And so here we are. And this is what I'm doing. This is, this is the reason. This is what it's going to be. Um, so I want to read this passage with you. Um, oh, you know what? I never... Do we have a clicker? Put out the next slide for me. I never actually set up my slide clicking, so I may just say that button. Okay, so here's the passage. Just ponder this with me and read it, and what you're going to see so many things. They're like, you could have preached on this and this and this. I know, I know, I know. Okay, here we go. As soon as it was night, the believers sent Paul and Silas away to Berea. On arriving there, they went to the Jewish synagogue, and now the Berean Jews were of more trouble. Uh, I'm sorry, of more trouble. More noble character than those in Thessalonica, for they received the message with great eagerness and examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. As a result, many of them believed, as did also a number of prominent Greek women and many Greek men. But when the Jews in Thessalonica learned that Paul was preaching the word of God at Berea, some of them went there too, agitating the crowds and steering them up. The believers immediately sent Paul to the coast But Silas and Timothy stayed at Berea. And those who escorted Paul brought him to Athens and then left with instructions for Silas and Timothy to join him as soon as possible. While Paul was waiting for them in Athens, he was greatly distressed to see that the city was full of idols. Okay, here's the thing. This has all happened like four times now. Paul goes to a place, disruption. There are these um, agitators that it calls, the, the people that stir stuff up. These guys are, are specifically, they're, they're like civil authorities. Their whole role in following Paul around, their whole role in society, was to make sure that everyone was rightly worshiping Caesar the way that they should, okay? Uh, and their, their sort of jurisdiction was Judean territories, like Jewish settlements that are still under the empire of Rome. Like, they're there making sure all the Jews are, are paying homage to Caesar. They can do their own religion, um, but they... Caesar's king, just so you know, nobody else. Um, And so once again, these guys are following Paul around because Paul's proclaiming, no, 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 Jesus is Lord. And as Paul's proclaiming Jesus is Lord, these guys are following him around. They have the ability and the power to arrest him and have him killed. They can do that at any moment in time. And so Paul really is afraid of them. It's not like this, it's it's not like um, Paul's just avoiding confrontation or anything. Like they can kill him. But they have no jurisdiction in Gentile territories, like Athens. And so Paul goes to Berea. They preach the gospel. These people come to arrest and kill Paul or whatever they're planning on doing to him. We don't know the the details on it. And Paul runs away, again, by himself. He flees alone, because that's who they're coming to get. He flees alone to Athens. And as he is fleeing to Athens, he's probably trying to make sense of everything. And he gets to Athens, and he sits down. And it says at the bottom, and he's waiting for them. And he sits down, he's just waiting for his other people to come. He has nothing to do. He's not sure what he's there for. Um, I can imagine how I would feel in this situation. I'd be frustrated, and we're going to talk a little bit about that too. But like, why Paul was the way that he was. That's what we're talking about. Um, Yet Paul waits. And while he's waiting, it says that he, while he's waiting for them in Athens, he's greatly distressed to see that the city is full of idols and then if you keep reading, he goes on to start preaching in the synagogues. He preaches in the town square, and he has this huge ministry there. But Paul is different. He's, he's waiting. He's patient. He has no agenda. He has no like, list of demands that he has to accomplish, that he has to get done. He has none of that. He's discerning the Spirit of God. He's letting God lead him, and the way he oftentimes let God lead him is is by, like, his shipwrecks. For Paul, that's God leading him. People are coming to kill him, so he runs away. For Paul, that's God leading him. Everything that happens, Paul almost embraces as if he's choosing it. And it doesn't make any sense to me. But this is what Paul's doing. Um, And he's not motivated by the things that motivate the rest of us. He's not trying to... He's like... Paul's a pastor, but Pastor Paul is not going around trying to inspire people and give inspiring sermons to people. That's not what he's doing. Paul's not walking around trying to build an institution. He's not starting a 501c3, a nonprofit. So he can, and he's not trying to get staff and have a salary. He's not doing any of that. He's literally just going wherever the Spirit of God allows him to go, and he's doing the thing that he's supposed to do there. And it's like, He's not trying to become a well known figure with an online following. He's not running ads. there's, There's no, like, he's not trying to attract people. The driving force behind what Paul is doing is simply the Spirit of God. That's what it is. All it is is Paul wakes up every day and he listens to the Spirit of God and he just, he's actively obedient to what God is doing and responding to what God brings into his life as if it was his choice. And when I find myself, Struggling to force something to happen. Um, When I find myself lost, unable to like perform in some way. Like I'm not measuring up. It's in those moments that I actually begin to realize that like it's not this actually like when I read Paul and I look at my life. When I'm trying to get something done and I can't. When he's trying to get something done and he can't. And we have two completely different responses. It's in those moments I can realize that like oh the driving force behind what I'm doing is not the spirit of God. It must not be, right? Like, my desire oftentimes is the same as all of ours. I want to impress people. I, I desire to succeed uh, when, when, when some people are rooting for me to fail. Like, a lot of you, you, you might be able to actually say, like, part of what drives me is, uh, is trying to prove people wrong that said I couldn't, right? Like, by the way, that, that's a terrible reason to do anything, and it ends, it ends badly, so don't let that be your driving force for anything. They said I couldn't. That's not healthy. What drives us is... What actually drives us... You need to find that because it actually matters. Because, like, I mean, oftentimes, sometimes I have this desire to persuade myself that I'm important or special or needed in some way. That I bring something to the table that you can't get anywhere else. And, and then, none of it's true. None of it's true. I offer nothing special to you. And when these thoughts happen... When these ideas happen, when the pressure happens, they're like, "I gotta get something. I have to inspire the people. Like, they're gonna get sad and upset and like I'm trying to like like manipulate you in some way." And when that happens, I need to wake up and realize, "Oh, I am the enemy of Christ right now. I'm doing my thing. God's doing God's thing. I'm doing my thing." And somehow. I I need to learn to do the temperature gauge thing and gauge what is driving me. Is it the spirit of God or is it something else? Everything has a driving center, a driving force at its center. Everything does. Everything. Um, Every single person, every organization, every church has a driving force at its its center. And I want to like, okay, hit the first slide for me here. Um, Oh yeah, this this is Paul's first move right here. Paul gets there, and while he's waiting, he knows, like we talked about this last week, he knows God is present there. Ancient Jews had this profound understanding that God is present everywhere. They didn't always know that, but it's something that God revealed to them. They're like, if I go to the depths of hell, you are there. If I go to the highest mountain, you are there. Like, this is how they talk. God is there. God is already at work because God is king of everything. And so Paul knows that God is there, and what Paul does is while he's waiting, he's distressed by all the idols around, but he knows that God is there, and he knows that God is going to do something, and so he takes the omnipresence of God, and he says, I'm going to now, I know that God is here working, I'm going to manifest that presence, and I'm going to do the work that I believe God is already doing here. This is what's called the manifest presence of God. We talked about this last week. It is the response to the, the, every doctrine has a response, the omnipresence of God. The only response to that is, well, I should manifest that presence because we're we're the body of Christ. That is my role here. Like, this is what I do. And so, this is what is driving Paul. Hit the next slide for me. Um, But there are other things, one more click. There are other things that oftentimes flow from our work. And we oftentimes need to examine these things that flow from our work or our, our attitude, our heart, our mind and we look at these things and you realize that, oh, I'm, I'm honoring some people over others. I have fear, great fear of the consequences of my actions of what I'm doing. And in fact, those fears drive what I'm doing. Um, oftentimes we, have, we see threats of violence. Oftentimes we see isolation, defensive posture. Hit the next slide for me. Um, these are the fruits that tell you that what is driving you at the center is power. If these things are manifest in your life, in your work, whatever you're doing. At the center of this is power. This is what you're seeking. And these are the methods by which you seek to attain it. Next one. Desire for more. Feelings of uselessness and failure. Deception. The fake it till you make it marketing kind of thing. Pretending you're something that you're really not. Sales, branding, oftentimes dishonesty and manipulation. Manipulation. These, go ahead, are, are the, uh, hey, when I, I'll go like this, all right? We'll have like a system. Don't tell them. They'll think it's magic. When these things are present, money is your driving force. And you look, you look at your life and you're like, I'm so anxious. I'm anxious, I'm anxious that I'm just going to lose all of it. So your driving force is keeping it all. If this is your driving force, you can't adequately do the work of God that God. You can't adequately do the work that God has for you to do. Let's see what Paul is doing. All right, one more. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Amen. This is what Paul's doing. This is this is what you see manifested all through Paul's work from the beginning to the end. As we go through the Book of Acts, this is what is present always. People hate him, he responds graciously. He's locked up in prison, he's loving the guard, he's saving the guard, he's, he's not afraid when he's in prison. He, there's, there's, there's nothing, there's nothing that he's afraid of. He exudes love. He's always joyful. He's always at peace with people and trying to make peace with people. He's patient. This is what we see right here is patience. Like, this is it. What we see with Paul on display the main fruit that I see is patience. Something that I struggle to attain. I think all of us do. I want it now. I want what I want now. I've worked so long for this thing, it's time to get it. That is the nowness of things. That is, that is not a fruit of the Spirit. Patience is the fourth fruit of the Spirit, which Paul mentions in Galatians. Paul emphasizes patience regularly. Paul Manifests patience constantly. Sometimes the word patient is translated as long suffering in some of your translations, um, which I think long suffering is a great way to describe it. And the reason that any fruit, the, the reason that any of these things are called the fruits of the Spirit is because they are the attributes of God. They're not something God is telling you to have, they are literally the things that God has and is and expresses. That's why you were called to show them to the world. And so, it's an attribute of God's own self. God is patient. God is long-suffering. We can look at the history of Israel and see this clearly. God regularly gives up control of things. He's that patient that God gives up control of things to you. And In fact, the very act of creation proves that God is willing to yield control. God created humanity and backed up and said, this is going to be a space. Like, God fills all of the universe, but then pulls himself back and creates something else that is not himself and gives up control to that which he created. All of this is like, God is telling you that you don't have to have control of everything. God is not in a hurry. The story of the Bible, especially the Old Testament, is a story of God really not being in a hurry. Um, God doesn't coerce us. God doesn't force our hand. God is not threatening. God is waiting. 1 Corinthians 13, love does not insist on its own way. When Paul describes the attributes of love in 1 Corinthians 13, he's describing the attributes of God whom he says is love. Love does not insist on its own way. God does not insist always on having his way. Oftentimes, God relinquishes that control to you. So that you can actually see that what you want, what you think you want, is not actually what is best for you. And there are many things that are obstacles to a life of patience. As I search my soul in my work, in the ministry that I'm trying to have, and I, and I plumb the depths of it to see what is driving this thing. What is driving this thing? Is the spirit actually driving it? Is the spirit at the center of the whole thing? I mean, if I was Paul and I wanted to plant another watermark, and I wanted to do it in Berea, and then people came to kill me there, so I went to Athens. I would throw up the next slide for me. I, I feel like I would have several several thoughts and feelings. I would I would be frustrated. Because my work is disrupted. How dare you disrupt my precious work? I would feel anger at the people who are standing in my way. They're all roadblocks and obstacles and they are keeping you from your success. That's the message you were told. That is how the empire is discipling you. I would be prejudiced against the people or groups standing in my way as well. I would... I would have this rising anger towards a specific group of people who constantly stands in my way. None of that is what Paul has. None of it. Paul expresses the fruits of the Spirit because Paul, at it, Paul's very center of his soul is driven by the Spirit of God. And so there's a lot of obstacles to patience in our lives. There's plenty. And so what I want to do is, like, I, I, I wrote so much about patience this week Um, that as much as I want to go to the next part of Acts 17 next week, like I really want to get there because I'm excited about that passage, um, I need to go another week on patience for my own sake, for the sake of my soul, and maybe for you as well. Um, And so I want to talk about some of the things that are obstacles to patience. Go ahead. Obstacles to a life of patience, first one for me. The first one is the segmenting and regulating of time. You may not realize this, but the mechanical clock was invented by Byzantine monks so that they could accomplish all the prayers and readings and translations that they wanted to do in a single day. This is why they invented it, to organize their spiritual life. And yet, what happened is, as people found that time could be segmented and measured, That you could squeeze more and more stuff in. And now you actually have less time. By segmenting time. And taking control of it. We have collectively. Damaged. Part of our ability. To be a patient people. I mean think about when you were. A kid. I have three. I wake up every day. And study them like a German textbook. They are fascinating. There is no such thing as time to them. There's not. Um, can I have a snack? No, Lunch, your snack time is in an hour. Oh, that's forever. Like, it's for, an hour is forever. I can't do anything in an hour. Everything takes longer than an hour. An hour is forever. They wake up in the morning and they think, like, they think, what fun is there to be had today? What can I take part in that is going to happen today? And they come down, Daddy, where are we going today? And they think of all the ways in which they can have fun at that thing, the bank. Maybe they'll give me a lollipop. Like, everything is something to engage in and have fun with. When I wake up in the morning, I look at my calendar and I say, there is so much to do today. That is the exact opposite sentence that my kids have. Kids are patient. Kids oftentimes show more of the fruits of the Spirit than any of us ever could. And a matter of fact, in the ancient church, in the first century church, a spiritual discipline that they regularly... I mean, there's a bunch of spiritual disciplines. There's fasting and generosity, giving and tithing, all kinds of stuff, communion. One of those spiritual disciplines that they celebrated was literally spending time with children. It was a sacrament. You had to spend time with children. You had to. And... There was a time in your life when time was neutral, and you had a reign over it, and you could be patient, and you could wait, and you could dream, and you could think, and you could pray, and maybe now you can't. Jesus was never concerned about time. I don't know the solution to all this. Next week, I'm going to present some ideas on how we can sort of cultivate patience. But I want to point out this. Jesus was never concerned with time. He lingered everywhere that he went. He lingered. He waited waiting in wonder for what God was doing and how he could respond to it. Put up the next thing for me. Another obstacle to a life of patience is the hoarding of time. Um, most of us view our time as our resource, our own personal resource to, we use the word spend, right? We're capitalists. We spend our time. Um, time is money. Um, and we spend it as we see fit. Interruptions in our daily agenda are inevitably viewed as intrusions. They are interruptions. That's what they are. For instance, I like to write my content in three to four block hours uninterrupted. That's when, how I like to write my, contact, my, my, my content. Um, but when I say this, I'm going to take a few hours. This is my time. I'm going to write. I'm going to focus in. What I'm doing is I'm relegating everything that happens as to, the, to the section of interruption. My children... Throwing up next to me. If you walked in late, you missed the story. Sorry. The, but children next to me, when they, when they tap on my shoulder and they say, Daddy, I have just made them an interruption. I have, they are intruding on my sacred time. I'm only here for a certain amount of time and then I die. And you, kid, just took some of that time. This is not how things are supposed to be. Um, And what happens is we apologize for taking up someone else's time. I apologize for taking up your time. That was yours. I'm stealing some of it. I'm sorry. I'm making some of your time mine. As if I get more when I do that. Like, have you ever apologized for taking up someone's time? Have you ever had people apologize to you for that? This is what happens when we expect others to be stingy with their time. We expect people to be stingy with their time. No one ever questions the calendar. If somebody hits me up and they say, hey, I need to meet with you tomorrow night, I can't. I'm playing Candyland with my daughter. But this is really, really important. You're right. I'll cancel my Candyland with my daughter. If I had said, my schedule's full. Instead of telling them what I am doing, my schedule's full. Oh, your sacred schedule's full? We'll meet the next day. You all know that this is how it is. The schedule, the time. It's paramount. It's precious. There's no time for patience. There's nothing to waste. How can we expect others to be stingy with their time? We don't want to steal and take the time of anyone else. We don't want people to steal from us. Can we really hope, though, to be patient with anyone? As long as we believe that our time is ours and that they are stealing from us. We can't be patient with anyone if that is the case. We can't. Patience requires an awareness that all time is God's time and that God is welcome to break in whenever God so chooses. Whenever God chooses to interrupt, God can interrupt. And that's okay. This is what it means to be led by the Spirit. Perhaps God wants to break in with a thought from a child who has something to say. A child who is apparently, according to Jesus, The kingdom is made of these. He's something about this child contains the heart of the kingdom. And I should listen closer. They are not an interruption. Perhaps God wants to interrupt me with a phone call from a friend to tell me that if I have nothing to say in a sermon, that's my sermon. Perhaps God wants to break in with a positive COVID test on our staff so we have to shut down church again. Whatever God wants to do, God can do. It really doesn't matter. This is not mine. This is not yours. This is not ours. How can we be so impatient as to put our hands on the wheel and to push the gas ourselves? How can we be so impatient? Show me the The third thing, survey says, (laughs) exalting productivity. Exalting productivity. You guys, I know you're good Americans, and you exalt productivity as high as you possibly can. If Paul, like us, is living in this segmented time, if he were doing that, he would be hoarding his time in order to get as much done as possible. And we moralize that. We call that stewardship. I'm not saying it's immoral, we made it moral. So that we can justify the stinginess of our time. He would have been highly frustrated with his level of productivity upon arriving in Athens. I'm off schedule now. Look at this. I was supposed to be planting a church in Berea yesterday, and it didn't happen. And here I am in Athens. Why am I here? You know what? Like, we have hindsight, 2020, when we look back on Acts 17, and what we see is. Act 17 is one of the greatest passages in the New Testament. Because Paul gives this speech on the Areopagus to this wise team of pagan philosophers and it's brilliant. And we have this amazing discourse because everything went really wrong. All of that was leading to this. And Paul knows that. Paul doesn't know why that's why Kierkegaard said, like, must, life must be lived forwards, but it can only be understood backwards. By the way, if you also walked in late, our service is backwards today. Everything is backwards today. Um, Paul would have had a different attitude if Paul was like us. But thankfully he wasn't. Productivity is the new virtue that we have invented very recently in Western culture, we have internalized this cultural virtue, and we find ourselves always having to ask, was it worth it? What do I have to show for my time? Is what I did today, was it worth it? Was that a waste of time? Was it a waste? Or, or was, it, was it spent well? In other words, will I get a good return on investment, is what we're saying. Yeah, we internalize this, and we feel like we are wasting our time by spending time reading books, changing diapers, serving our children. We feel it as a waste of time. I suspect that this is actually the real reason why it's hard to find people to serve in children's ministries in every church. People consider it a waste of time to serve children. It's a sacrifice that they make. They don't see it as actually probably one of the most valuable times in your week. I suspect this is the reason. It's because of how our culture has discipled us on how to use time. We think that if we only get an hour on Sunday, what is the most productive use of that time? I only get one hour on Sunday. I got to use it well, okay? Certainly not showing children that they are loved. That, that's not the best use of my time. How will I get what I really came for, what I, what I paid for? Because we're consumers as well. And then the church becomes an exercise in consumerism. Where do I get the most bang for my buck? Instead of a time to gather with our family and urge each other forward in Christ-likeness, instead of a time to gather and look at each other and talk about what it means to be Christ-like people in a pagan world. Like, we don't see this as that, though. We come in, we do the thing, we try to get our money's worth, and then we gotta get off to the next thing and hope that this thing doesn't run into that thing. Does the way we find ourselves talking about church and worship betray a conviction that worship ought to be productive? Does worship need to be productive? Does it need to match every every other area of your American life? I didn't get anything out of service today. I didn't get anything out of service today. Or, given the time at church today, I'm disappointed that I've got nothing more to show for it, is really what we're saying. I should have more to show for the time I spent at church this morning. As if you are a passive stander by. Perhaps our fixation on productivity instills in us a deep sense of impatience, an impatience that might partly be responsible for our lack of joy in worship. I think we struggle with a lack of joy in worship. I think, unless we have a full room like we did before, like January BC, unless we have a full room, we feel like we can't express ourselves, we feel like we can't even relax, I'm afraid if someone might look at me, right? I mean, and all of this, like, I do this with my sermons sometimes, I I often, I'm, I'm in such a hurry to get through a book of the Bible that I get frustrated by holidays, tangential events, special events, holidays, Easter. The resurrection of Christ can kind of get in my way. I'm trying to go through the book of Acts right now. I don't think you understand. (laughs) Like I'm trying to get to Romans. Like I I got stuff to do. That is an exercise and a display of intense impatience with what God is doing with a community of people. Me forcing a thing which is not mine to force. But perhaps the interruptions are God. Stepping in. Perhaps my agenda isn't important. Perhaps my work is to make space for God in this place. And that's why I wanted to switch it up today. Because I feel like. I just want to make some space. I just want to make some space. For God. Perhaps the greatest thing we can learn in this entire pandemic. Is that patience is a fruit of the spirit. Patience is a fruit of the spirit. There are many. Love. Joy. Peace. Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self control. We were armed with everything that we needed to navigate all of this. We already had it all. And we allowed ourselves to be discipled by other people that are not Jesus. The greatest thing we can learn in this pandemic right now is patience. Division is a symptom, exhaustion is a symptom. The desire to just settle something and move on is a symptom that what has filled us and is leading us is not, in fact, the Spirit of God. It's something else entirely. And against my desire to move past this topic and to get to Paul in Athens, we need to stay here again another week and talk about patience. This is what we need to do. This week was about the obstacles to patience. And I want us to ponder them and I want us to uh, observe them in our life this week. This week is about the obstacles to patience. Next week is about the cultivating of it. And so I want to invite our band. Are you guys in the room? We didn't plan. I don't know where you got. Yeah, come on up. Um, I literally walked in this morning and told everybody, we're doing it all backwards, and we're doing it live. Um, And so I'm going to close us in prayer right here, and they're going to open us in song. And while you guys get ready, I'm going to lead us in our collect prayer as well. If you guys would stand with me. I'm going to pray. Father. Thank you for this place. Thank you for these people. Thank you for this seemingly crazy time that you have been leading us through. I pray that we wouldn't waste it. I pray that we would absorb every ounce of what you have to teach us from it. I pray that we would refuse to put our hand on the wheel. I pray that you would push us forward exactly the way that you always have but that this time we would listen even closer than we have before. And so now as we enter into a time of uh, responding through song, be present with us, make yourself manifest to each other. And I pray that you would uh, bring us to mind the things that we need to think about the ways that we need to repent, the ways that we need to order ourselves around the things of you again, I pray that somehow we would be able to take hold of some patience and realize that this is not uh, something to be rushed through. Thank you, Father, in your name, amen. Show us our callic prayer for me. Pray this with me, nice and loud, here we go. Faithful God who is present with us, teach us to live as you intended, fulfilling our purpose, loving others if you have loved us being a people set apart by your covenant through the holy name of Jesus amen spend some time singing.